If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn with me to Mark 9. We're going to start at uh, verse 33 this morning. Mark 9, 33. And Jesus came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, he's talking to his disciples here, what was it that you were arguing about on the road? But they kept silence, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Meals had a surprisingly important part in the life of our Savior. You remember he did his first public miracle uh, at a wedding banquet in Cana of Galilee. He dined with the publicans and other sinners. He tried to have a ministry with all the different kinds of people. He didn't just settle in with two or three and stay with them all the time. He tried to reach out and touch people that he wasn't always with. Of course, this was scandalous uh, to the Pharisees. They didn't like it at all. It offended them. He occasionally even overlooked the ritual washings that they were supposed to do before the meals, which again, of course, really bugged the Pharisees. Jesus also liked to tell stories about meals. He had one story that he told. He said there was this real rich guy who had a great big long table and the master of the house would just eat all he could possibly eat. He would just cram food into his face and then some of the food of course would fall off on the floor. He was sloppy in his eating and there was a a little servant that was barely making it, that was barely living. And he would quickly go over and pick up the crumbs that were left beside the table. And that was the thing that was feeding him and helping him along. Now, of course, their roles were reversed in the next life. And Jesus helped them to understand what that was all about. He told a a story about eating that might be a familiar uh, ring to a lot of us this morning. It was about a group of people that were invited to a banquet. And as they got to the hall, the host wasn't there. And so, of course, uh, everybody wanted to sit as close as they could to the head table. And some of them even wanted to sit at the head table. So they were kind of jostling each other around and kind of doing a little pushing, a little shoving, uh, trying to get to the very prized place of prominence in the room. Jesus had some advice for those people. He cautioned them not to push so hard to get the best place at the table. How embarrassed they would feel, Jesus warned them, if the host came and brought a person up to the head table and then said to the person that had pushed their way up to get there, 
say, I'm sorry, but uh, you're going to have to move because uh, we have an honored guest here today and you're sitting in his seat. Then you would have to get up, think how embarrassing that would be, and you would have to walk around the table, everybody's watching all this, and you would have to go down to the very foot of the table, all the way down to the other end, because that would be the only seat that would be left in the room. Jesus told them, when you are invited to a big dinner, take the lowly seat. Don't push to get up in front. Go to the lowliest seat there in the house. Then when the host comes, he might come up to you. And he might say, you know, I have an honored place for you to sit. Why don't you come with me? And then the host of the whole banquet would take you up to the head table and seat you there. Think how wonderful uh, that would be. That would be great. And your fellow diners would uh, see all this going on. There's just one thing that Jesus chose to leave out of that story. What if you made yourself the lowest person on the totem pole and Jesus didn't move you? What if you were left at the end of the table? Uh, Jesus neglected to tell his hearers if they followed his advice, they'd be taking a risk. But then, if we read the Gospels carefully and try to follow them, we will find ourselves taking one risk after another. It's just sort of a continuous line of taking a risk. In today's gospel, the passage that we read, Jesus tells us quite plainly, if anyone wishes to be first, in first place, at the most important seat, uh, in first and all that's going on, he must make himself the servant of all. Now there's a risk for you. To be perfectly frank, we all know that... Uh, it doesn't quite work out that way. Sometimes, in fact, it's just the opposite so far as the world is concerned. Josh Billings uh, once put it this way. He said, the more humble a man is before God, the more he will be exalted. He will be lifted up. The more, however, he is humble before men, the more men will put him down. John Selden uh, said about the same thing. It's a little different. He said humility is a virtue that we all preach, but none of us practice. And yet everybody is content to hear the message again. The master thinks it's real good for his servants to hear that message because he wants them to be better servants. And he wants them to serve him better. And of course, the servants think, I hope the master's listening, because we want him to be nicer to us. We want him to give us a little bit more food and a little bit more freedom. Then there's the modern uh, statement. Not a biblical statement, but one that uh, perhaps you've heard. He who doth not toot his own horn the same shall not be tooted. 
Lots of examples spring to mind of this human motive for self-aggrandizement. We all want to kind of build ourselves up. We want to be the most important person in the room. Uh, But one that surely illustrates this point is the uh, fictional character of J. Pierpont Finch. Do you know him? Do you remember him? He was in the musical comedy, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Finch's simple scheme for achieving success in the uh, comedy was... Uh, if he was going to get ahead in the business world, was to figuratively pull the rug out from the person who had the job that he wanted. He would lie about him or mess up his books or do something to hurt him in the eyes of the company. And he, of course, then uh, would be fired or would be demoted. And J. Pierpont Finch would get his job. Well, one by one, the executive of Worldwide Wickets would fall like bowling pins as Finch would climb over the dead career of his corporate victims. J. Pierpont Finch scarcely could more clearly spell out his utter lack of humility than when he looked at himself lovingly in the mirror. And he had a great song that he sang, and the title of it was, I Believe in You, as he's standing right in front of the mirror. Call to mind, for a moment, the people that you work with, the people that uh, maybe have taken a class with you somewhere. Take a minute and, and think of your neighbors or the most recent destitute person that you have been around. What has been our attitude toward them? Do we neglect them? Are we competitive with the ones that are about where we are? Are we jealous of the ones that are a little bit ahead of us in one way or another? Can we honestly claim that our first and overpowering inclination toward those with whom we live, study, work, or regularly come in contact, is to serve them. Does that thought ever uh, enter our minds? To serve them without thought of reward. To serve them for the singular joy of serving. For desiring obscurity in our serving. If your answer is an unqualified affirmative, then you can go directly to heaven without having to undergo the inconvenience of death. You can just go because you're perfect and uh, you have made it uh, to the very top. There are a sufficient number of J. Pierpont Finch's around us in our lives to remind us regularly of how the world deals with humility. Many of today's best-selling nonfiction books talk about how you can help out good old number one, yourself. Or maybe they're a guide 
a safe path toward a feel-good moment in your life. Someone has said that most of us are on the playground for Christ, not on the battlefield. We as Christians must constantly return to the words and to the example of Jesus to learn how we must live in this world which is resistant to the Christian way of life. The radical Muslims, as we know, want to kill all of us. It's difficult to live with that. And the secular world wants us to be real quiet and out of sight and not have any books or any memorials or any, anything about what we believe. And what we stand for. At the Last Supper, Jesus reminded his apostles, I am in your midst as the one who serves you. You remember what happened? He got down on his knees and he had a towel and he got some soap and water and he began to wash all of their feet. Now, I don't want to be gross here, but you remember in that day, Uh, the horses and the mules and all that, they walked on the streets, and then the disciples walked on the street. So their feet were really dirty. And Jesus got down on his knees and washed their feet. And Jesus, after he finished washing all of their feet, he said, do you understand what I just did for you? You address me as teacher and as Lord. What I have just done is an example for you, just as I did wash your feet, then you likewise are to go out and wash other people's feet and serve them and help them and pray for them. You're to lift them up to help them along life's way. In spite of almost our entire environment, we are committed as Christians to serving. That's a big part of what Christianity is all about. However, in pursuit of that life, we must be conscious of and careful to avoid pitfalls along the way. Sometimes we make a mistake, some honest mistakes. Other times we make mistakes that are not so honest. False humility is perhaps more common than no humility at all. Martin Luther wrote, the humility of hypocrites is, of all pride, the most egregious. Can we afford to forget Jesus' story about the Pharisee and the publican praying in the temple? Oh God, the Pharisee prayed, I give you thanks that I'm not like the rest of these other guys that I'm not like them in any way, these grasping, crooked, adulterous people. Thank you, Lord, I'm not like even that tax collector over there. I'm not like him. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes on all that I possess. It's a prayer that springs from a soul that is filled with pride. And isn't it frighteningly close to some of our prayers? 
I've heard some of those prayers at church. Do you really listen to the uh, prayers that uh, are given sometimes? They say the most bizarre things. When we read the daily paper with its inevitable uh, recounting of crimes and graft and swindles and greed and prostitution and assault and murders and all that kind of stuff, don't we sometimes find ourselves thinking the Pharisees' prayer? Thank you, God, that I'm not like those people in the newspaper. Thank you, God, that I haven't committed any of those crimes. Thanks at least, maybe one or two would say, that I haven't been found out about doing some of those things. But after all, God, I'm not such a bad person. I'm not a bad guy. I go to church every week, pretty much every week. Uh, I'm in a service club, and I give some money to the United Way. That or any similar prayer is the prayer of the proud. In contrast to that, Jesus told us the tax collector could only hold his head up with his hands, with his, with his head mostly bowed, and say this, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus told the disciples, and he tells us here this morning, this man went home from the temple justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Right there is another very subtle path toward false humility. It's true that Jesus does promise exaltation for a truly humble person, but the promise was made in contrast to the proud person who would be humbled. I believe that we should find those that serve and thank them. I think there's, I might be wrong about this, but I think there's one uh, policeman that's assigned to Uh, Sun City Center. And I wonder if we should write him a note and say thank you for for taking care of all the calls and all the situations that come up. I wonder if we should write a note to the fire folks that uh, protect us and protect our homes, those that are serving in that way. What about the emergency squad? They don't even get paid. You know, we really need to thank them for the wonderful things that they've done, for the lives that they have saved, for the wonderful way that they've been there for those that really need them. I'm almost always against uh, taxes. Uh, You know, we have these new taxes that want to come out all the time. I'm always against them, except the ones that want to raise the pay for the policemen and the firemen. I think we ought to I think we ought to get in there and uh, and support those because those people are serving and they have very very dangerous jobs. They serve and we should appreciate them. The guarantee that the humble person will be exalted is redeemable 
in eternity. But then, everything is going to be sort of different in eternity. There are going to be some people there that we didn't really notice in life. They were always kind of in the background somewhere, serving. Have you ever gone to a uh, banquet and, you know, it was kind of a voluntary thing and, and there were some right out there walking kind of up and down so that everybody would uh, see them? And then there are the people way in the back that are back there and they have their sleeves rolled up and they're working just as hard as they can to make it happen. I'm real thankful for the po folks on Sunday morning that that help with the food down the hall there. They're serving. They get here early in the morning. They get it ready. They bring out some more. They take care of the plates and the napkins, all that kind of thing. They serve. I'm real happy about this choir. This choir uh, comes on Wednesday nights. They practice. They get ready. A lot of them take their music home and study it. And they listen to tapes uh, on some instances and they come and they perform and, and it, just, it just tremendously helps our service. And those that sing solos like Bree did this morning, it lifts our heart and they have to spend a lot of time getting ready to do that. And the sound folks and, you know, all these people that serve, that serve. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Today, some of those people that are in the background, they might be the VIPs when we get to heaven. And some of those that were very important earthlings, <laughs> they might be on the bottom somewhere. They might be uh, under the stairs in, in that apartment. St. Francis de Sales had a tender, and I believe... An accurate description of true humility. He said professions of humility are the essence of pride. The really humble man wishes to be humble and not to appear so. Humility is timid and so delicate if she hears her name pronounced, it endangers her existence. The reward for humble service to others is the service itself. To think otherwise is to be foolishly proud. As we resist walking over people, we cannot expect God to smile on our humble action and give us an instant reward. It doesn't work like that. It may very well please God to leave us in last place where we can continue to serve so well as we have been doing. We've got to ask ourselves how many of our eggs we want to put in the basket labeled the risk of a Christian life. Think of the changes that there would be in our lives if we made these words of Jesus ours. If this was really the theme of our life. I'm in the midst of you as one who serves you. Henry Clay was an American statesman whose desire to be present, president was never fulfilled. He ran a bunch of times, but he never won. Yet he was continually trying. 
His political advisors were always conscious of the positions he took and the stands that he took and the declarations that he made. They wanted to help him. On one occasion, when uh, Clay took an unpopular stand on an issue he felt very, very strongly about, his advisors said, Mr. Clay, if you take that position, you will never be elected president. And Henry Clay immediately responded, I'd rather be right than be president. Such a stand is uncommon for politicians today. For many seem to be more concerned with what is convenient than what is right. In every arena of life today, integrity is taking a beating. Many public figures are losing their positions because of immorality. Have you heard of that company named Ashley Madison? If you haven't, let me give you a couple sentence description. This couple up north decided they were going to start a company where they could line up people that were married with other people that were married so that they could have an affair. They would send descriptions and all of that, and, and then they would hook up, and of course they would send back to the company uh, a good bit of money for lining it all up. Well, that all went uh, pretty well for a while. Nobody got caught. Uh, all these people that were having affairs, it was hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, I think maybe thousands of people, uh, that were doing this. And, of course, the people that started the company, they were making millions and millions of dollars. And then something happened. Somebody hacked into their database and then they thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we published this list? And they did. Well, guess what? All these people that were cheating on their mates were found out. And you talk about lawsuits. Now, lawsuits went against that couple that started that business, and I'm so glad of that. I hope they lost all of their millions and all of their homes and all of their cars and all of their clothes and even their toothbrush. <laughs> you know, anybody that would make their life business to help others be unfaithful and immoral uh, really ought to be punished, not only in the afterlife, but in this life as well. Star athletes and stars of Hollywood are losing their lives because of drug abuse. Judges are being indicted as often as they are delivering indictments in some situations across the country because of their misuse of power and position. The Christian life is a risky business. If you get into it and you think to yourself, I really want to serve, now how am I going to do it? And how much energy Am I going to give to it? And am I going to do it as Christ told us to do with all of my heart? What audience do we play to? Is our primary motive to satisfy ourselves or to please our peers or to glorify God? If you're motivated most by your desire to please yourself, 
then you focus on convenience. If you're motivated, most of all, to please your peers, then you focus on what is popular. However, if you are motivated most by desiring to glorify God, you will focus on what is right. The result of that is integrity. And that is what we desperately need in our land. And wouldn't it be great if Christians led the way? This morning, if you're in the house and uh, you have not uh, come forward in a service to place your faith and trust in Christ, today would be a great day for that. You could come up and uh, take a strong stand for Jesus. And it would be helpful to others that are here that perhaps then would do the same thing. If you're in the house today and you've been visiting with us and you know that you need a church home and you'd like to start serving, then I pray that you would come today and take a stand with us and join hands and arms and hearts and lives with us that we might serve the risen Christ together. We have an invitation where we sing a hymn. I stand down here at the front. And if you're in the house and you'd like to make a decision like that, just slip out and slip forward and say, Yes, Lord, please forgive me as a sinner and please take my life and use it in your service. Today, I pray that you would come. Let's stand and sing together.